let's get it. Radically smaller commerce. You wanna test A B on your PDP? Pop up that AOV and your B2C. Do the 301, avoid the 404. Boost your SEO, get people to the store. Got the latest stack, headless, you react. You want that seamless customer experience attack. Live shopping social, set up your syndication. Be relevant, that's our recommendation. Radical Smart Commerce is a podcast presented by Aptus with focus on smart commerce and merchandising. And we will talk about trends, new technology and the importance of being relevant. We will do this by interviewing site and guests to be inspired by their success stories and insights. And we that are your host is Thomas Schaberg and Frida Olsson. Welcome to this second episode of Radical Smart Commerce. Today we are going to go behind the scenes on one of the largest fashion retailers in the world, H&M. We are fortunate to have Mikael Österlund as a guest. He's an experienced operations expert navigating the waters between business and technology. It will be interesting to hear more about the e-commerce journey of H&M. And Frida, you have actually worked there. Yes, I have. So it's been uh, it's going to be really really exciting to talk to to Mikael. Uh, I was also very much involved with the fast expansion of H&M, but more of the the visual merchandising once again. And and how long time ago was it that you worked for H&M? That was four years ago now. Uh, The years goes uh, goes fast. Okay. Yeah, but I feel really good having a fashion expert as uh, at my side here. I'm definitely not uh, a fashion guy. Uh, maybe that's something to have left in my life. But uh, I'm interested in the technology and the strategy. And uh, it's going to be really interesting to hear more about the e-commerce journey of H&M. I hope you are too. And we will go directly into the interview. Today, we are very happy to have Mikael Österlund, product owner at H&M, here as a guest in the podcast. So welcome, Mikael. Thanks for having me. And I must say, uh, I've uh, had the pleasure of working with H&M for quite many years before and tried to get someone from H&M onto a podcast or you know, a webinar or some other activity, but it has been very much hush-hush and uh, you know, very hard to, to get uh, you guys on, on any type of public uh, um, sort of appearance. But the, it's new times, right? Things have changed. It is new times, or or it's just your sort of your prevailing uh, <laughs> nagging about us joining that has sort of finally, um, yeah, made a change. No, no, there's there's sort of new times. There has been, I mean, we have a history of of being quite secretive, uh, but I would say that for the last couple of years or so, there has been much more openness, and I think the the core of that is that the company has understood, and and we as 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 sort of members of the company has understood that there is a real benefit of actually being part of of podcasts or or talking to both uh, competitors as well as as partners and and providers suppliers as yourself so so that's that's sort of really fun and it's it's somewhat somewhat more relaxed to be able to to just kick back and talk to to people rather than thinking about exactly what you're saying in in what context yeah yeah, and so I think it's going to be exciting. I think a lot of people are curious about what's happening inside the walls of H&M. But maybe you could start tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at H&M. Sure. 
And I mean, I'm I'm not necessarily an old timer at H&M. I've only been there for the last nine years or so. I have colleagues that has been with H&M since well the eighties. So, so it's a company where people are staying around and and feeling at home and feeling like it's it's their family or second family at least, uh, which is which is really really nice. Um, I come from a background of of doing online all my career uh, since the dot com days that some of the listeners might remember uh, some may not uh, and then then sort of started at H&M as a business developer focusing on on search and merchandising uh, but got the opportunity to lead an operational team uh, that has grown from from sort of Stockholm based uh, focusing on on a small number of online markets uh, to actually being a global team with with offices in both Shanghai in in uh, or outside Delhi in India and in New York, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, so that that's sort of my my heart is within operations and within running a daily operations team um, that that focuses on e-commerce. Uh, and then since the last uh, what six months, uh, I've been a product owner for a team that works with site management. So that's basically more of the technical side of of. Of having an operational responsibility. Okay. Do you see yourself as a tech guy or a business guy, or I've, I've, I think I always seen myself as the guy that is somewhere in between tech and and business. I'm not necessarily the guy you go to to create Excel sheets or fantastic business plans. Neither am I the guy that is is someone that can. Well, I could potentially code a couple of lines, but not necessarily do something that is bug free and and works. Uh, so sitting in between, uh, sooner or later, my feeling is that people will find out that I can't do neither of these two things, and then they they'll get rid of me. But but at the moment, it's sort of a that's my sweet spot. Um, trying to understand both sides and potentially negotiate between them as well. There's always a a let's have a sale at the same time as you're gonna do a technical release and find out a way to to make that work which is really really interesting and and challenging so yeah 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 uh like thomas said we are really uh, really happy to to have you here and and to hear a little bit more about the h&m uh, journey uh and i don't think actually there is many people that hasn't been in a in an h&m store uh and i think everyone has seen more and more uh, stores popping up everywhere in the world uh but maybe you can tell us a little bit more about h&m's online journey uh and a brief history sure i mean i haven't been part of all the journeys uh, and it had already started when I joined the company uh, but I would say that that there was a there was a significant shift between say 2012 2013 2014 uh, when we we started off with with sort of a small number of countries uh, doing online business as a to be honest as an add-on to our mail order business uh, which was something that was thriving and doing really well in 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 uh, our major markets in europe uh, and sort of started to make a footprint in the us as well uh, but the main focus was of course was of course in europe uh, sweden is of course still a large market but uk germany is huge markets and has always been for us or has been as long as i've been with the company at least um and i mean i can remember back then that we had a 
uh, fax office in Borås <laughs> where we received sort of orders from mail mail customers, mail order customers uh, that sent in their orders by fax. Uh, that was one thing uh, that sort of makes you feel extremely old that you still remember those days. But yeah, um, but then then we decided to to actually grow the online business and do that by by help of external um, support from from mainly from Accenture to build a global online platform uh, and that's sort of when the the real online journey started we we kept the old countries uh, on our legacy platform and decided to launch a new platform for the new countries uh, and managed to expand with i mean it was i think at, at, at the tops it was more than 10 countries a year uh, that we added on to the platform uh, with all the challenges of of that, uh, both sort of capacity wise and size wise, as well as making sure that we had a customer promise and a customer experience that was up to par with what the the countries expected, and uh, not necessarily sort of doing a launch in every country's shipping from one one location, but trying to have fairly local warehouses trying to do the 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 sites in their local languages with local currencies um with customer service support that was that was close to the customer um making all that that run was the the challenge that that has been sort of h&m's focus for the last five six years um but then we we sort of we checked off uh, one country uh, by another, uh, managed to to launch sort of across the globe, uh, and at, I would say about two years ago or something like that. Uh, I think it sort of dawned upon us that that we had a strategy and we had a setup that that allows us to expand, but now we needed to to change the pace to actually do more of the customer focused business development, improving rather than continuing to expanding in the same pace. Of course, also because there wasn't much left to expand to, but uh, still we have, I mean, we have a bunch of countries still to to go, but uh, more focus on business development. And that actually sort of started a process of changing the organization, uh, making sure that we were adapting to something that was much more agile uh, than what what sort of suited us when we did expansion. Mm. I know, Frida, that you mentioned, uh, since you also have a background on H&M, that, that you, uh, you felt that it was almost like an uh, online startup feeling in a sense, uh, even if it was a, a very big company, when it came to the online business, it, it was uh, more, more startup feeling yeah no no yeah and that is uh that was uh came as a big surprise for me when i started at uh at h&m uh on the online sales um because I, I worked quite a few years in, in the physical stores and and that is a, a well uh, organized uh part of h&m which everyone knows of and then you then you come to online sales and it's like you say it feels like a, a great startup which comes with uh, great responsibilities and and lots of fun but of course uh, also a lot of new learnings yeah. to do we have any stories to to share from from the maybe the, <laughs> the early times or or things that uh yeah might be interesting to hear about I, I mean i think the 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 main thing has been sort of the 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 focus of people uh around the online business and and as you said frida there there was sort of a 
H&M has always been the entrepreneurial company, and that has always been at our core. And and that more than anything, perhaps, was was something that was needed when we did these uh, sort of trying to maximize that expansion, trying to to actually catch up from being a company that that had a solid store business and focus on stores to to catching up with most of the other players. Because I mean, when I joined H&M. There wasn't a search on the side. You couldn't do product search. Uh, a couple of years earlier, there were, were actually one site to look at the campaigns and another site to look at or rather buy the, the product. So that was sort of separated. Uh, so we had quite a, a long way to go. And and of course, that, that took some people sort of an enormous amount of time and, and passion to to get that, that true. Uh, there's been an, an, a long nights uh, awake trying to get things working. There has been strange situation where we done sort of test buys and even had people uh, leave the office in Stockholm to actually go to to the airport and fly to Netherlands to just sit there and and listening to customers that couldn't shop and couldn't sort of fulfill their their purchases. Um, I mean the the speed of things actually sort of caused quite a lot of friction, and that took a lot of energy from from the people around us to to make yeah something that that is now working really really well but it yeah it took a lot of of effort yeah it must be so big a difference working on that global scale comparing to to just being on one market or a few markets yeah i mean it is and and yeah i mean it comes with with everything from sort of payment options i mean i've learned so much about sort of you're, you're sort of under the assumption that you're paying with credit card or potentially paypal and then you sort of lift the lid and understand that hey there's eight nine ten eleven different ones uh just in poland uh which is sort of mind-boggling to to keep that in mind and and of course if you want to be local you need to make sure that that you're supporting the the local options uh so so that that's a, that has been a learning journey for us all i think uh, but a fun one, and it's it's really interesting to to learn more every day about this. Yeah, no, I I think it's quite fun that you mention uh, and especially different kind of payment option and and methods uh, in in different countries. When I uh, was the head of Vision Merchandiser for for the Japanese market, uh, we learned quite quickly that they had the option of uh, paying on delivery. Uh, which of course uh, <laughs> was something new, uh, I guess, to to H and M, and and quite new in the e-com business as well, and something to yeah to sort out. And now you are doing a big reorganization. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about? What that means, uh, what you're doing over there? Yeah, I mean, what, uh, as I mentioned, I mean, we've gone from from sort of expansion focus to improving the customer experience focus uh and that that has that has sort of that started i think a a process within our management about two years ago and i think the, the real work started um a year and a half ago or something like that uh looking at what did the ones that do online business best uh, what was the setup they used what was the the processes they used, what was the the way of working, 
Um, and soon enough, I think there was sort of a, a clear picture of moving to a, an agile product centric and customer centric organization. And I mean, bear in mind that, that the old H&M organization was both sort of split up between an IT side that built and delivered uh, something and, and business development side that came up with the ideas, did the business cases and, and did sort of the, the user experience. And it was a lot of product focus or, or rather project focused uh, deliveries with, with sort of big, big releases every three months or every six months or whatever. Uh, so time to market wasn't good. Mm. Trying to improve that, the obvious thing was to do a full revamp of the organization, basically taking whatever we had and just throw it up in the air and, and try to figure out how it would land in, a, in the best possible way. Uh, and that has become a, a, a full-on product organization, extremely customer-centric which is sort of a combination of our business development, our IT side, and our AI uh, components. Um, of course, still sort of a huge organization. It's I think three hundred plus product teams. Whoa! Uh, each of each of them should be a two pizza team, according to sort of the American methodology. So not necessarily Swedish pizzas, but American pizzas. So what is that? <laughs> that is six to 12 people uh i could uh, i'm not sure if there is a pizzeria in sweden that can can sort of feed six people on a pizza but it might be i don't know they have family pizzas in sweden but they are for <laughs> small families i don't really mm. understand the concept there but no. yeah <laughs> yeah and i think they're sort of the swedish pizza culture is sort of an, a podcast episode in itself i think um but yeah, <laughs> yeah that that is that is the the way to go and and we had that that we started this reorganization as i mentioned a year and a half ago um then about at about a time when we started to look at how we should implement that actually i mean covid the corona situation uh hit everyone extremely hard last spring and that was just before the the new organization was going to be presented so that that sort of was a a challenge in itself um but nevertheless uh the organization was rolled out and People started to assume their no new roles uh, in the new organization uh, during the summer. Uh, and then from there, we have sort of new teams joining every other month. Uh, and I think the, the last teams that are going to sort of be on, rolled into this new organization is about now, basically. But, but I mean, 300 product teams, I mean, that's mind-blowing. So what's an example of a product team? What, what can it be? I mean, it could be, I wouldn't say it could be anything, but I mean, we have product teams that works with, with sort of service support and service processes. We have product teams that work with with the search component. We have product teams that work with, with the checkout. We have product teams that work with release management of our uh, Android and iOS apps. 
but we also, of course, have product teams that works with customer fulfillment, uh, the logistical chain uh, that works with it, uh, tools that support our production of, of garments. Uh, and we have, of course, product teams that works with, with the checkout in the stores, with, with things like iPads in store uh, and stuff like that. So it's extremely sort of vast it's not only an online business it is everything that is i would say that it's everything that has a technical component to it and this new organization is is called business tech so so that's sort of that's the the starting or the foundation of this is business tech it should be both business and technology together yeah, it sounds very much like uh, the philosophy around uh, microservices on the technological side, but but in an organizational form. Yeah, and I guess that's sort of that that sort of part of the perhaps mission or or uh, vision of this is is to move that direction as well, not only sort of organizational but also technical technologically um, to to be able to. I mean, we we come from a sort of a background of having a huge platform uh as i mentioned waterfall releases or or product releases uh to be able to work in a an agile way there there's a need for certain microservice certification uh, of things so yeah i think that's the way we're heading at least for part of the of the setup can you see any positive result already now or do you think it's it's too early to tell I would say that there's a bunch of positive results already. I mean, the fact that that uh, this organization makes sure that we we have the opportunity to actually get an ownership of of your small product. I think that sort of that helps a lot with with ownership. It helps a lot with quality uh, because you start to to focus on on sort of the the smaller things. Uh, rather than trying to just deliver on a big project goal, you start to look at uh, single items. You you try to sort of squeeze the bugs out there. Um, so I think with with that in mind, we had an platform wise and and sort of technologically wise, we had a brilliant Black Friday. I would say Cyber Monday, uh, and that was, I mean, partially because the fact that we had a bunch of people that were extremely interested in the details, making sure that we did the best possible uh, out of that. So I think that that's sort of a huge success. Uh, and then, of course, during the the autumn, we managed to launch a bunch of new features, uh, improved on on everything from, from sort of small things, fixes, uh, checkout flows, uh, improved the loading, loading time in the checkout, which has been, I mean, amazing. Uh, and stuff like that, that that it makes a huge difference to our customers because it allows them, of course, to to shop more friction, frictionless, uh, which is the main goal of this. So yeah, seeing the the benefits already. Do you have any uh, focus area? I mean, at the moment, uh, uh, there's of course sort of strategical focus areas, and there's there's OKRs and and. The, the sort of that kind of steering. So there is there is a set of objective and key results. I can't really comment on them. Uh, there's still there's still a certain amount of, of secrecy in, in this. Uh, <laughs> it has to be uh, and what we're planning to do next. But of course, there's yeah there's a bunch of, of focus areas. But I think at the core of this is 
is the fact that we have a bunch of people that are uh, entering new roles, having new new sort of opportunity and a new responsibility, and just making sure that they are taking that responsibility and run with it. I think that has been at the core of the the strategy during the autumn. Uh, and then, of course, there's I mean, there's challenges of doing this this kind of big big uh, change in a company that big as well. So yeah. Do you have any any examples of quick wins or things that you have recently have been able to release uh, in the market as a result of these new product teams? Or I mean, just just the fact that we we now have a, a sort of a customer closer app release cycle, for instance, is is helping a lot. Where the the teams that work with apps are are able to push out new f- fixes uh, in a much more rapid pace. I think that's sort of one of the, the things. Uh, I know that the, the the search and the merchandising teams, which is sort of a bunch of teams, has done quite a lot of things that have improved uh, the experience as well and the relevance. Um, I mean, we managed to move a bunch of services to, to cloud services as well during the autumn, which has been I mean, amazing from a from a both a cost perspective, but but also from a customer experience perspective, because we are moving closer to, closer to our customers. Uh, they get a service that are, that is quicker or perceived as quicker uh, than previously. So yeah, there's a bunch of those things. Not necessarily quick wins, but wins nevertheless. Yeah. Also, what might be interesting to just touch upon, since you're a global player, you're working in a lot of different markets, and you're mentioning search and merchandising, and you have also been working in that field for quite a long time. So could you tell us something about what you see that you're able to do or what benefits you have from from working with merchandising uh, technology on on your your e-com site? I mean, I'm, I'm... I'm fairly sort of disconnected from the from the day to day work nowadays uh, when it comes to to the the search and merch merch teams. And I think you, I, I could I could sort of recommend another uh, participant for the for a coming podcast uh, regarding that. But but there's uh, from 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 a sort of an an overall H and M point of view, and from looking back at the last six or seven years, I mean the the success of the online rollout uh, wouldn't have been as big if we hadn't had the tools that we are having and haven't had the the sort of um, the potential to actually get help with the heavy lifting when it comes to doing recommendations in the right time on the right place and doing that as local as ever possible i think that that wouldn't have been possible uh, without the Technology and the, the foundation that that Aptus is providing for us, uh, and and I think Frida, you you have sort of more hands-on experience uh, from from merch teams working with this. But I would say that I mean launching as we did uh, a bunch of countries every quarter uh, with new new product teams, but also with new sort of merch teams and wish on merch teams uh, that that needed to set up a local store. And providing a good customer experience. I mean, the the help and the offload of having something that is automatic, and you can only focus on what is really, really sort of the top products. I think that helps a lot. You 
you mentioned the the, the pizza teams, the, the focus product teams. Uh, are are they a mix of your own employees and consultants, or what does that look like? Are you still working a lot with external consultants, or are you building up your own competence? Or I mean, this this has been sort of a a. a wave that has moved back and forth uh when i started with h&m 10 years ago there was quite a lot of employees uh software engineer employees as well and then as we we moved to making sure that we managed to do this sort of expansion that we that we did that moved that wave moved to more and more consultants um i would say that the the overall move now is back to employees or at least resource consultants. Um, of course, there's challenges with that. Uh, for for myself and for others, it's it's first of all it's tricky to to hire people in Stockholm. Of course, you have competition from Spotify and you have competition from Klarna and and others. So so hiring software engineers or technical engineers isn't that easy. Uh, we have the opportunity to do. Uh, we have we have set up a hub in Berlin. We have set up a hub in Hong Kong. We have set up a hub in in New York or in New Jersey, uh, and we have started a hub in in India as well. Um, so so we are trying to to hire people outside of Stockholm or outside of Sweden as well. Uh, so but but yes we're moving to more and more employees when it comes to the technical roles so so i mean if you're a software engineer if you're a full stack developer whatever please get in touch with me because there's a bunch of opportunities and i also knew that we have, we have just launched our own sort of uh, uh, training program where you without any any sort of uh, technical background actually can join us and get training on the job uh, to become a software engineer uh, as well, which is sort of a, a way to trying to to both, I mean, train people and be part of the and be a, a sort of a positive source, positive force in the society, uh, but also of course making sure that we get the right people. Do you have a cool name for the program? We sure have. I don't have the name of, uh, <laughs> on the top of my head. I need to check that. But there's there's certainly. Trust me, with H&M, there's certainly both a, a magnificent two-minute video uh, as well as a code name. I need to check that out. Yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. You can trust that there's a marketing department doing something about this uh, that looks looks and feels amazing. But I think that's, that, it, that is sort of um, one of the opportunities uh, which within H&M right now. About code names, uh, we actually ask all the guests on the show here what their hip hop name would be. So, all right, that's that's sort of a <laughs> question that you perhaps need two weeks to prepare. Um, let's see if I can sort of make something up right out of the of the top of my head here. This is most likely going to be cringe if you listen to my kids and will not be hip hop at all but i guess there's there's got to be something something operations yeah doesn't doesn't hip hoppers always tend to name themselves something doctor so and then i'm michael i'm always mikey internationally so it's going to be sort of doctor mikey op or doctor mikey operations does that yeah. even give a slight hip-hop feel to it yeah sure i mean if you want to get done with the situation you go to dr mikey 
operation, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think that's sort of, yeah, <laughs> sounds much better when it comes from you. Still a bit cringy, but yeah, I get you. Yeah. Perfect. Radically smaller commerce, you want to test AB on your PDP, I don't think we can actually talk about uh, commerce without talking about uh, the effect of COVID. Uh, I think we there's something uh, you think of uh, about daily, more or less. Uh, and at least when I think of H&M, I always think uh, more or less about the physical stores. And, and that's what uh, what I felt when I when I worked at online sales as well, that it was uh, on, I mean, the physical store first. Has that changed now? And, and has, has it changed how you worked omnichannel and and the priority within the company yeah I, I mean this was this was of course a not necessarily a move but at least there was it was a tendency to to this already before covid uh, and and this has only accelerated um something that that had already started uh, before uh, i had opportunity to be in new york in january uh, a year ago and that was sort of when the when the first indications came from china that there was something sort of not that right uh, and i know that we we travel around on on manhattan looking at at competitors and our own stores as well and and what became clear already and when talking to colleagues and talking to to others was the fact that that the the retail market uh, on Manhattan was sort of having having issues. Uh, there was a lot of store location that was empty, uh, and we still we still sort of pushed a, a store expansion. And and I think the to be honest, I mean the store still plays a huge part in in our company and as a brand and as being sort of the local player and. I mean, there's 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 something something about retail uh, and fashion that needs to be experienced, and and still the stores are playing a huge role in that, and it plays a huge role in how we're are building our brands. I mean, H and M and H M as a brand is is one part of the the puzzle. I mean, stores like Arket, which is another brand of ours, usually do uh, cafes with with sort of bakeries and and coffee as well so so that that sort of allows for a an in-store experience uh, and of course it's going to continue to be important to us uh, but then yeah we're we're sort of happy that we have had an accelerated um, expansion of our online stores and that we have had a the opportunity to to actually build something that is resilient because i mean during the autumn, uh, during Black Friday, and now especially when Germany is closing down for the second time, I mean, we are betting everything on the online store, and the online store is the only channel to to get your H&M uh, stuff at the moment. And that is that is challenging, uh, but we can cope, and we I think we have a sort of a, a good customer experience, and we still have a good customer offer uh for our customers which wouldn't have been been possible three or four years ago uh it would have been a lot more chaotic by then than it is now but still it's stuff that that keeps me awake and i haven't listened to angela merkel as much as i've done the the last six months <laughs> uh and you start to follow sort of local local uh, rules and regulations in a completely different way than it did previously 
Right. Uh, interesting to hear more about what is happening inside uh, H&M and the changes you are doing in your organization and uh, your initiatives. Uh, so I would like to, to start rounding off here a bit, but try to get some some maybe tips, some smart things uh, from you if, for companies uh, going forward that are working with how to improve their e-commerce or how, how they are working. So is there anything that, that you would like sort of to highlight? Oh, it's always it's always tricky when you are sort of focusing on a company that is as big as H&M is. Uh, yeah. Of course, there are sort of strategies that, that fits us that perhaps doesn't fit the, the small startup or, or anything like that. But I would say that I mean, and and this is this is perhaps obvious to to um, someone that is sort of digital native. Uh, but for me, it's been been a wake up call to actually focusing so much more on the customer first experience and making sure that we are not necessarily a tech company doing something that is customer focused, but we are a customer focused company doing tech. And, and that sort of mind shift, shift uh, and, and trying to change that focus is something that has been really important uh, to me, to us, um, I would say. Um, the, the tech things usually sort of turns out okay if you're focusing on the customer. Um, and, and, and that's perhaps not something that's going to be sort of mind-blowing to people, but, but still. Um, then I think for... for for me, for us, finding the the people to cooperate with, the external ones that challenge you and, and sort of make sure that you are doing the best possible. Uh, you're not necessarily sort of best at everything. You need to be best at what your customer is expecting from you, but you need help with other things. And I think that has been sort of a key thing in this as well you need help from others you need help from consultants you need help from uh, providers uh, you need help from from tech platforms uh, but you also need help from your competitors uh, that challenge you in making sure that you are sort of better and better for every day that goes by okay and then i think down to to sort of one of my favorite uh, parts of being within h&m the fact that if you trust people, they are doing amazing things. And I think that trust and that that sort of focus on not being a manager that, that manage details, rather being someone that that actually uh, makes sure that you are removing uh, obstacles for the people working with you. You're making sure that they get the right connections and then, and then just let people run with it. I think that sort of, for me, has been extremely important for the last 10 years and it's going to continue to be that as well going forward. And I think that that sort of the, that people part is usually sort of forgotten uh, when you're trying to do something at quite high pace. That was really uh, fantastic, uh, famous last words for for this episode. I think believing believing people, uh, and and especially with uh, talking about ecom, because you don't see the people behind it uh, the same way as you do in in the physical stores, of course. So um, thank you for sharing. Thank you.
and thank you, Mikael. It was really nice having you on the show and looking forward to having contact uh, going forward as well. So uh, I wish you well and uh, see you around. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure talking to you guys. To be up to date with podcast-related matters, please follow our LinkedIn page. And if you want to participate in discussions or recommend topics and guests, please join our Facebook group as well. Just search for Radically Smarter Commerce and you will find us. And of course, if you want to contact me or Thomas directly, you can always reach out on LinkedIn. And you find this podcast on all platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Acast, as well as at radicallysmartercommerce.com. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review if you like the podcast. It helps us to find new listeners. And you can also follow Aptus at LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. See you in two weeks.